0: If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can't see true godliness in your life. Because it's the fear of the Lord which constrains or produces true adoration and love. It's the fear of the Lord which consists in awe, reverence, and honor, and worship. Now watch this. And all of these on the highest level of exercise.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're glad that you're here today, because yesterday we started a brand new series looking verse by verse into Psalm 112, and a series that we're calling Immovable. Now, I don't know if you feel very immovable today, or if you're honest, you actually feel quite movable. In fact, you may feel like you're bouncing around and even struggling with the many anxieties of this life. Well, if that's you, We pray that God's word in this little mini-series will be a huge encouragement for you as we look not to the things of this life, but to the sure and steady care of our God. Let's get God's word open in front of us now as we learn more. The fear of the Lord is not
0: um, you're terrified of God as an autocratic dictator. Please don't harm me. Please don't harm me. That's not the fear of the Lord. John Murray has an excellent definition we've used here at the church for years. This is beautiful. I'll read it slowly because I want us to get it. I know it's kind of wordy. But here's the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. The fear of God in which, you know, watch this, in which godliness consists. See, you, you, can't, you can't see godliness in your life apart from the fear of the Lord. I was in Psalm 25 this morning. and Psalm 25, it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Wow. I, just, I read this morning. and I'm just like, there it is again. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life in Proverbs. Godliness consists in the fear of, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can't see true godliness in your life because it's the fear of the Lord which constrains or produces true adoration and love. It's the fear of the Lord which consists in awe, reverence, and honor, and worship. Now watch this. And all of these on the highest level of exercise right? So, so um, anti-fear of the Lord, you're, you're in church and you got your hand raised, worshiping with one hand and, and, and checking your text messages with your other, right? No, no, that's not what we're talking about. That's a divided heart. And that's a metaphor illustration for a lot of our lives. Kind of one side, we're like, yeah, yeah. Another side, we're not even clued in. The highest level of exercise, only produced by the Spirit of God, but for the desired heart, is the reflex in our... That's a great phrase. The reflex in our consciousness, almost the instinct towards the transcendent majesty and holiness of God. Just sit. Sit. That's also then why John Murray says this. He says, and listen so carefully, the highest reaches of sanctification... Sanctification is growing like Christ. The highest reaches of sanctification are only realized in the fear of God. Now, think about that. Stop for a second. Pause, pause, pause. This is very important. A lot of us want to become more like Jesus Christ. We want God's blessing. We want to see his, his nature become more of our nature. We want to grow in Christ and we should. Listen, it is impossible to grow in your height in Jesus Christ apart from the fear of the Lord. You, you keep hitting a ceiling. Can't, you can't overcome that area. You can't grow farther. You can't, because, because there's an absence of the fear of God. It's that, because blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord. I mean, think about it. Think about this way. Look at um, Psalm 111, verse 10, okay? Just, just, just right above. I love that this is right here, just, just, just a few verses up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom. The fear, always, uh, Proverbs 1 says this, Proverbs 9 says the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, okay? So, so what do we know? You want to be smart? Fear of the Lord. Let's flip it, loved ones. Let's flip it. The absence of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of stupidity. Oh, and think, think. This is why so many portions of the church in our day are so dumb. Because we've lost the fear of God. And therefore, we've lost the wisdom of God. And when you lose the wisdom of God, you're left with the wisdom of man. And when you have the wisdom of man, nothing good is ultimately going to happen. When you're left with the wisdom of man, you start to tell God what his book should have said. You start to tear pages out of this. You start to compromise your life. You start to capitulate to culture. You start to go about it your way, not God's. Because in the end, you're worshiping man or self or society and you failed to truly worship the living God. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And without the fear of the Lord, we won't be wise. Men, listen up. Men, 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 listen up. Leaders, listen up. You want wisdom. You are not the exception to this rule. You cannot find wisdom apart from the fear of the Lord. Mothers, women, godly, women in this church right now, you want to see the wisdom you so desperately need? God is telling you the path to how this is accessed again right now. If God is a compartment among many others, if he gets our lip service, if we treat him as a genie or a vending machine, that is not the fear of the Lord. Pause long enough right now just to say, God, forgive us. God, forgive me and my sinful heart when I treat you as such and I fail to give you the worship that you're due because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and I can't grow in Christ apart from the pursuit of the fear of the Lord and true honor of him. And I want you to see this briefly too. Notice what's always, always coupled with the fear of the Lord, verse one. Notice, always, always. Blessed is a man or woman who fears the Lord, notice here, who greatly, it's just, it's all connected, who greatly delights in his commandments. What happens here? We cannot fear the Lord apart from the word of God. This very message is proving this right now. The only reason we have this message is because God's word is open and we're going through it verse by verse, okay? Again, we have to see this, okay? When we're moving in the fear of the Lord, man, we love God's word. Notice notice, delights in God's commandment. Notice greatly delights in God's commandments. Spurgeon says this. He says, the person who is filled with the fear of the Lord, I love this. If you're filled with the fear of the Lord, here's how you know. Holiness is your happiness. Holiness isn't something that you're so bugged by or annoyed Holiness is your happiness, devotion is your delight, and truth is your treasure. That's 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 verse one right there. That's verse one. I just want us to pause. I just I just I just want to give some time for the Holy Spirit just to just to speak quietly, powerfully. Holiness is my happiness, and devotion is is my delight and truth truth is my treasure when i am when i'm moving in the fear of the lord and i begin to see the promises of god which begin to change my life and no wonder jesus says if you love me you will keep my commandments right like it's it's the love for god the fear of the lord and the desire to obey and keep his commandments again no exceptions to this no exceptions everyone here we have the praise We have the promise, and now we see this. Thirdly, the provision. The provision, what God promises to provide for those who fear him, okay? So look at verse two now, okay? So verse one sets up the rest of the psalm, right? Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Why? Well, here's why. Here come the blessings now. The blessing now is, is, or the provision of God is now detailed all the way to the end of the psalm. We'll go through a few right now and save the rest, Lord willing, for next week. Here's what God promises to provide for those who fear him. Verse two, uh, he says, I promise his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Okay, so we have four promises, one verse at a time, of God's provision for those who fear him. They'll be on the screen beside me one by one. First provision is this, the promise of the provision of family impact. Family impact. Verse two, notice the direct development of the man or woman who fears the Lord. His offspring will be mighty in the land. What does that mean? It means this. For the church, for the group of people, for the family who genuinely fear the Lord, God is promising that successive generations of God-fearing men and women will be produced. In some form, in some way, God honors those who fear the Lord by producing others who also fear the Lord, both in the immediate family and the church family as well. Why? Because those who fear the Lord, they will have influence. If you're like me, man, you, you, you have been blessed with family members in previous generations that were not perfect, that were sinners like you and me, but in the end, they had a life of consistency, of honoring, and the fear of the Lord. And, and they have long since passed now. They are with the Lord. But when you look back upon their influence, when you recall their character, when you see their devotion, the legacy of their lives still lives on in you. And as you consider them, you are inspired and you are convicted and you are encouraged to live the life that they also lived in the fear of the Lord as the best they could by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of us, even in this church, our church 15 years old now, How many saints have passed away into glory? And how many of these saints, not perfect, but wow, they love the one who was perfect, and they have left legacies of those who have feared the Lord and inspiring us to do the same. God is promising that no matter how dark this world gets, when he finds people who generally fear him, that will not go unnoticed. Successive generations will be impacted Parents, never, ever underestimate the power of your life being lived for the Lord Jesus Christ in the fear of the Lord. You know, the single greatest testimony that brought me to Christ eventually was I could not deny... The life and the pattern and the devotion of my mom and dad over so many years, and particularly my dad in my teenage years, he caught fire for the Lord, and I watched at a distance as I was ruining my life, but I watched at a distance, and for so many months and years, I said, what he has, I know I need. And eventually, my knee would bow and my tongue would confess by the grace of God. But one of the greatest indications of why this happened, because in the end, I would never admit this to him at the time, but I knew he had something figured out that I had no idea about as I struggled and strived through all the sinful desires of my life. That's the power of the fear of the Lord. You might be in a situation right now, you're so discouraged. And you feel like it's all hopeless. My mom thought she had failed as a Christian mother as all three kids were walking away from the Lord. But by God's grace, years and years of prayer and faithful consistency, the Lord honored her requests and my dad's and all three children living for Jesus today. Don't give up realize the promises. what God says he promises to provide the family on whatever he decides you know I see the young men and women in this church and one of the things when you're away on sabbatical you have time to reflect and one of the things I realized when I was away is I'm not really that young anymore you know it might sound silly but when you start the church and you're 28 and now I'm turning 44 in just a short period of time from now and some of you are like, you're 44? I thought you were way younger than that. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, I got a lot of gray hair coming in right now, man. This is pretty exciting, right? The body is groaning, groaning for glory. Amen, church. Amen. Yeah, woo. All right. Anyways, one of the things I realized is you're like, you know, you're reaching your mid-40s and you, you know, I got a lot of years underneath me now. And there's a lot of people in a generation below me that this is the future. It's the future. And I'm just so encouraged by this right now because I feel like the Lord is just saying to us, you know, that we're so thankful for the maturity that's in our midst. But he's saying, if you continue to honor me in the midst of this culture that is increasingly dark, but you honor me, you fear me, you don't give in, you don't capitulate, you don't give up, you hold to what is true. And he says, I will honor that. I will raise up men and women. I will raise up young men and women. And it's happening right now. Met with several this week who God is giving a undeniable almost unexplainable conviction to serve Jesus Christ in this time when from a practical sense you look around and you say it doesn't make sense but God says yeah but my ways are not your ways that's awesome family impact second promise of provision is this indestructible treasure indestructible treasure look at verse 3 wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. I mean, you can look at verse three and if your exegesis, if your interpretation is incorrect, you may, all right, so I get to get rich, man? If I fear the Lord, God makes me rich. The answer is yes and no. Depends what you mean by rich. Under the old covenant, right? Under the old covenant, material blessing was directly related to God's promises. I mean, the promised land's the perfect example. I will show you a promised land flowing with milk and honey. I will provide for your cattle. I will make sure your grapevines are abundant. I will provide rain and the earth. And it was all related to their status of life and the abundance of physical material blessing. Now, in the New Testament, New Covenant, no such promises are made. But let me say this. God promises to provide for his children, Philippians 4. He promises to give daily bread and clothes on our back. He feeds the lilies and the birds. He's gonna he's gonna gonna clothe us and feed us. He promises elsewhere that when we give generously to his kingdom, he promises we will reap what we sow in terms of grace. You say, what does grace look like? Whatever God decides it to be? Could be joy, it could be strength. It could be practical provision. It's what God decides, but he promises he will increase grace. So what's ultimately do we take this though to mean under the new covenant? The new covenant understands there is no greater riches than that is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate treasure. You wanna know wealth and riches? then you look up and you understand that you are a co-heir of Jesus Christ if you have been set free from sin and you have placed your life and faith of forgiveness for your sins in Jesus Christ who lived, died, and was raised from the dead to defeat death forever. Then Ephesians 1 says that you have received every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. It says that to the praise of the riches of his glorious grace, the riches of his inheritance. Loved ones, always remember, when the day comes Jesus returns and you're standing him face to face, you will not be looking around and trying to figure out how much money you have. Like this, right? the, only, the only thing in that moment you're like, man, do I belong to him? Do I belong to him? I'm in Jesus Christ. I get everything he has, I get because of his grace upon my life. You are not thinking about your car. You are not thinking about your money. You're not thinking about the house. You're not thinking about your stuff. You're not worried about your wardrobe. You're only thinking about Jesus Christ. That is eternal reality. And the Lord says, how about you try living that now? a treasure that is indestructible. The cars break down, the houses fall apart, the clothes start to get eaten with moths. The treasure in Jesus Christ lasts forever. You know what the psalmist is also indicating here? It says in verse three, his righteousness endures forever. You know what this means, Just is so awesome? His reverence, is more powerful than his investments. His, his, his reverence is more powerful than his investments. So if the wealth increases, his character is not diminished by that distraction. He is fearing the Lord, and so therefore he knows he cannot serve both God and money. His character withstands, the temptation um, of this world. Spurgeon said this. He said this so aptly and so wonderfully. He says, often when gold comes in, the gospel goes out. One more time. When gold comes in, the gospel goes out. You can apply that to a pastor. You can apply that to leaders. You can apply that to a church. You can apply it to every single person here right now. So let's just stop for a couple seconds here and let's just let that be applied, Okay. I gotta ask the question, has has money distracted you away from Jesus Christ? Is it right now? Do you check your bank accounts more than your Bible? It's a problem. Where's your heart at? Just be honest. The Lord knows everything. You can't hide from him. Are you more focused? Are you more lusting after? Are you more desirous of earthly treasure than the treasure that is ultimately found in Jesus Christ? If we are in that place, we are forfeiting blessing. The very blessing we seek is the blessing that will not last. God has given us everything we can ever want in his son. Do we have the character to withstand the temptation and lure of this world, which is absolutely obsessed with everything which will not last? It's a powerful reflection. And this psalmist sees it. See, he sees it. He sees it for what it is. A third promise of provision, light within darkness. Look at verse four. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. And let me just say this right here. I love this truth so much, okay? Darkness in our world is so real. It freaks me out sometimes, man. Dark lies, dark evil, dark circumstances. But notice the promise here. This is, this encouraged me so much this week. I thought the Lord just saying, Robbie, you know, the darkness is growing, but he's like, when you fear the Lord, when you set your eyes in worship of me, then light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Like, like, it's, it's, it's understanding, John 1 verse 5, the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ, right? We are lights of this world for Jesus Christ. Christ. So look at the promise here. Love ones, just, 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 just be so encouraged, right? Many of us at different places, some of us tempted to be so fearful and tempted to hide and get in our little Christian bubbles and to surround ourselves with everything that we're kind of makes us feel safe. But the Lord's promising us, he says, listen, listen, as it gets darker, I will make you a light in situations that can't be explained humanly. Don't, don't be afraid of the darkness because I will make you light within the darkness. When all the society crowds around and caves in and all the temptation to again capitulate, the Lord says, no, no, at that very moment, I will shine you, make you a light in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I will make you into a Stephen Shining the light of Christ in the midst of being martyred, I will make you Paul and Silas in the midst of suffering in prison. You will sing songs of praise and hymns of glory to be light in the midst of the darkness of the prison. You can never extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. And for those who fear him, they will be lights in the midst of a very dark world. And notice, well, we'll how... how are we lights? Verse four explains more. Look at verse four. Here's how we are lights in this world. We are gracious, merciful, and righteous. We show compassion. When you fear the Lord, you become like God. When you become like God, then you become like God who is gracious and merciful. We take on the, 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 the uh, nature of God. We become more like Jesus Christ. We become gracious and merciful and righteous. We show acts of compassion. We love those around us. Question. Question how are we doing right now as lights in this world? So we are not called to hide. We are actually called to go forward in the midst of the instability and show our stability for Christ and shine light as gracious and merciful and righteous. It's powerful. Loved ones, so many people are so hurting. So many people are desperately searching for light we are called to be that light. And God promises he will shine his light through us. And the last promise of provision that I'm done is this. God promises to provide a generous heart. Isn't this interesting? A generous heart. Look at verse five. It is well with the man who deals generously in lens, who conducts his affairs with justice. I think what I want to say about this is, is simple but profound. Think of how generous God is. The very character of God is his abundant generosity. God is so loving and so kind and so generous, he gave his only son. He sent his only son to live and die, that he would pay for our sins. He would suffer the wrath of God on our behalf. I mean, can you, can you give anything more than your only perfect son who is eternally God and, and, and sending him to earth to take on an earth suit, to become a human being, to dwell among those whom he has created, to send him not just to come to earth and be like, hey man, I wanna tell you about how you can get to heaven and, and do good things, but he sent him to earth not just to see the people, but to die for the people and to suffer a horrific death on a Roman cross, and to be spit upon, and mocked, and ridiculed, and beaten, and scourged, and ultimately crucified? Is there anything more generous than our God? And sending his son ultimately to die for us. Now, loved ones, when we fear the Lord, we become like the Lord. When we fear the Lord, we too are to become generous in the nature and character of our God. See, that is why a stingy, miserly Christian is an oxymoron. Are you stingy? Are you um, counting all the time but never giving? Are you a miser? Are you cheap in the negative sense of that? When we lack generosity, we lack the heart of God in our lives. Pause. Think. Apply. Convict Holy Spirit. The more we become like God, the more generosity fills our lives. And we find ourselves as one who generously and lends and who conducts his affairs with justice. It's powerful. God promises to provide in terms of giving us generous hearts that we might be used for his purpose and his will. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commandments. They will be a man or woman who is filled with praise, who sees the promises of God and then knows the provision of God that they might live more for his glory. It begins with the fear of the Lord. And so I pray right now the Lord is using this and asking him he will give us such a sense of conviction and encouragement. And even as we sing this familiar song, we're about to sing a very familiar song. Don't let it just be words you've sung a hundred times. Discipline yourself to sing it and mean it and to grow even now in the fear of the Lord. Let's just pray, let's ask. Father, help us now to do that. By your spirit, oh God, help us, encourage us, strengthen us, Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these beautiful, beautiful children of God here gathered, hungry for your word. I pray, desire us to be used. And may this again, may this be one more step in the process and direction and an opportunity to grow more like Christ, to be used of Christ, to love Christ and to shine like Christ. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: At Live in the Light, we believe that through the faithful and the passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. If you'd like to hear this message again, or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Thanks for listening to us today. Join us again next time on Live in the Light.